Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome one and all to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this group of hard-drinking, hard-shopping heroes. Hard-drinking, hard-shopping heroes, please introduce yourselves and give the audience one fun fact about your characters. Hi, I'm Harry. I'm playing Tok, who's an imposing six-foot-eight automaton. My fun fact uh, will be in Tok's voice. So, my creator was Tick. And his creator was Tok. Tick followed Tok, followed Tick, followed Tok, going back until the first automaton, who was both Tick and Tok. He was constructed by the god, the Overross. Tick Tok had a body of wood and feet of clay, until the event known as Storm's Fall. Then the Overross gifted him sentience by sharing the milk of human kindness. Later, the Overross shared his knowledge of automaton construction with the builders. Well, damn... I didn't know if I could uh, talk in his voice for that long. (laughs) (laughs) We have a new best fact. So hello, I'm Dave and I am playing Benny. Benny has always been quite bright and keen to learn. Brought up in an orphanage, um, he didn't really have access to formal education, but he taught himself to read through a book that he found lying about the place. It was called The Chronicles of the Fellowship of Cantioch. And it was a series of tales about a group of adventurers uh, and Benny was very keen on it and read it over and over again. Taught himself to taught himself to read in this fashion. Another amazing fact! You guys are absolutely on fire tonight. Oh, no. oh my god! I mean, not only is that great, you're gonna you're gonna draw in other listeners for the actual Fellowship of Cantioch. They're gonna love that name check. Much love to the Fellowship of Cantioch. My name is Alex. I'm playing Augustus Zeno. My fun fact this week is that Augustus was a great polo player as a young man until the age of 18 when both he and his horse failed a drugs test on the same day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's very clearly not as good as the others, but I do love it. I'm going to give that the full mark because it's very Augustus. Yay! Um, oh well. Now everyone, quiet for uh, for Vanda's fact. <laughs> okay, so you got, just just to be clear, you guys are three for three for the first time ever. This might be the perfect introduction. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Charlie. I play Vanda Finnick, and uh, as listeners will know, or as Chris will know, uh, Vanda uh, is horribly disfigured uh, as a result of torture. He is in fact the most tortured person walking currently. And of all the tortures he experienced, the most brutal was with a spork. <laughs> we can't go into the details of it. It's just too horrible for our listeners or listener. Was it in a service station? <laughs> was he tortured next yeah. to an M&S salad? The torture was just being given the spork instead of more colouring. Outrage! Well, you know, three and a half's not bad. Very good. That's a new record for you guys. I'll take the half. That was on the hoof. I'll take the half. All right. Well done, everyone. Well, let's get stuck into... Dice Company.
We left off last time with the group having met Vanda's contact in Sleetholm, the gnomish gang leader Gearhead. She hired you for a job and has requested you return the following day to be stowed aboard the first ever Steamrunner transportation vehicle. The Steamrunner will be running a complete loop of the local area over the course of a day, with zero stops. When on board, your only mission is, in and of itself, quite straightforward, to take possession of a ring belonging to Gearhead, currently in the clutches of Lady Sophia Calibri from Alphon. The promise of 400 gold was enough to get Benny and Toc to go shopping at Floral and Hardy's general store, while Augustus and Fanda exchanged old stories while drinking the gnomish delicacy of creme de menthe. By the time the party reunited, Augustus and Vanda could barely speak, leaving Benny and Toc to rent rooms for the evening for themselves. Augustus, you awaken to the loud sound of glasses being clinked together. As you peel your eyes open one at a time, the brightness of the glittering pearl is nearly blinding. From your position on the bench seating, you look around and see the staff cleaning up from the night before, and through the open window you can hear the denizens of Sleetholm going about their business. As your eyes slowly track your surroundings, you can see Benny eating a piled high plate of breakfast. Opposite him, Tok is reading a large parchment blueprint. Vander then hobbles in with his arms full of stuff. Morning, gentlemen. How are we all? How are you, Augustus? Who are you? Have I joined a cult? Oh, hiya, Augustus. Hiya. How are you doing? Ah, you have regained consciousness. Uh... Do you want some breakfast? It's really tasty. These eggs are right runny. They're delicious. Do you want to, have them? Do you want to give them a go? Do you want to? Do you want to? <laughs> I suspect you have been poisoned. Would you like medical assistance? Yes. And my mother. Vanda sits down at the table showing absolutely no signs of being hungover. <laughs> Augustus, as you sit up, can you please roll a d20 for me? Oh, God. Of course, I'd be delighted. 13. As you sit up, you have a mild headache, but you're confident that you'll be okay in the long run. But it's important. You never drink again. Agreed. Tok will pass him a small vial and say, uh, open this and breathe in, but do not consume. <laughs> Thank you, Tok. And Augustus breathes in, but definitely does not consume. Okay, so inside is basically like smelling salts. So the, the potent sense of ammonia is just going to... I think everyone will smell it, but it's going to be nasty as shit. <laughs> Augustus tries to stuff the lid back on and drops the vial <laughs> which presumably smashes on the floor then it does smash on the floor oh and the pungent smell of ammonia begins to permeate throughout the entire bar area I've read that this smell resets humans' perceptions it's character building isn't it oh. Augustus looks at the door and tries to figure out if he can get there but he 100% can't at this point I might take me breakfast outside if... Uh... What you need, Augustus, is hair of the dog. Barman, one creme de menthe. Coming right up. Uh. Creme de menthe and eggs. <laughs> Ouch. They bring you a shot of creme de menthe. You have flashbacks to the night before. Augustus really carefully picks up the glass and puts it as far away as he can without moving the central head and chest part of his body, which is currently incapable of motion. Vanda smiles with all three of his teeth and a lot of gum and says, suit yourself, Augustus. Gentlemen, I've been shopping, so you've got a bit of a train to rob today. Thought I would supply us. I have a bit of an idea. Benny, at this point, wanders back in, having apparently finished the entire breakfast in the amount of time it has taken <laughs> for Augustus to reject, reject the shot of uh, creme de month. 
how uh, how useful from a narrative point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for it. <laughs> Benny, it also is a, uh, an indicator of of character. Benny can eat very quickly because he has always had to make sure nobody steals his food. That deserves a, a reaction. Vanda nods approvingly at the speed at which eggs can be consumed. Augustus <laughs> doesn't give a crap about any of this weird back pattery that's going on around him. <laughs> Van, screw it, I'm going to keep going then. Vanda leads in to Augustus. You know what uh, my hangover cure is, Augustus? Augustus really slowly turns his head towards Vanda, showing puffy bloodshot eyes at him, breathes out slowly, releasing noxious fumes of creme de menthe, and then turns his head back to the forward position. (laughs) Vanda thinks better of this then and leans back and says, okay, maybe not the right time. Uh, Shall I go through the plan? Indeed. What items did you procure, Vanda? Can I just check, is there anyone, anyone around, people in earshot? There's, there's just a couple of staff members who have, were disgusted with the smell of ammonia, but quickly got over it. Oh, uh, Tok will pour a um, another vial on top, which will neutralise the smell. Of course, consider it done. Just <laughs> from the barman's point of view, did someone just pour a vial of piss on the ground? And then to, to make up for that, poured another vial. And now we have no... Right, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> a gnomish barmaid comes over with a mop and bucket and just looks at Tok and shakes her head. Okay, well, or like a like a gruesome Santa Claus, Vander fishes in his sack to uh, use his uh, morning shot to explain his plan. Could we have Could we have a go at keeping it down? Walls have ears and all that. And Augustus quietly wishes that Vander would stop using words like fish and sack. Okay, Vander, being very careful about his words, his crinkly of the sack and his tone, fishes out of the sack some accoutrement, which I am now going to go through. Gentlemen, he says conspiratorially, leaning closer into the vial of piss that surrounds us. I think we've got to play this with a certain amount of finesse and use the skills of our crew. So I figured our point man on this particular escapade has to be Augustus, a man of charm, if I may say so myself. I've spent a fair bit of money on this rather decadent wig. He produces a quite ridiculous Elizabethan wig, which he hands to Augustus. Your name for the purpose of the ride, Augustus, will be Radigard Frufru Sloom. You will be playing the role of an extremely highfalutin noble from a far-off land. It's very important character-wise that we pull that off. Understand? Augustus gives no sign of having understood that. Excellent. (laughs) He turns to Benny. Benny, my light-fingered friend, you will be our burglar on this mission, but we have to, of course, conceal that. So you will be playing the role of Sloom's physician. Your name will be Sigmund von Penicillin. (laughs) He's like, okay, maybe I need to work on my names. Uh, We'll just call you Sigmund. (laughs) Feel free to amend the name as you wish and uh, talk you will be playing the role of uh, Sloom's bodyguard, and he passes Tok a mallet. I mean, surely, surely you have to come up. I want, I want to know what Sloom's bodyguard is called. His name is uh, Franz Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, just so I've got it right so far, we have Radegard Fru Sloom, his physician Sigmund von Penicillin. <laughs> And his bodyguard, Franz Hammer. <laughs> it's going to take all of our acting ability to pull this off. Okay. 
take some extraordinary <laughs> persuasion roles here. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. One, one quick thing, Vander. I don't think I can keep Dr. Sigmund von Penicillin stuck in my mind. Can we try and simplify it just a touch? And feel free to amend you see fit, my friend. And uh, I will be Sloom's advisor and announcer. Okay, I mean, we're obviously 100% going to need that name as well, just for the, the official record. <laughs> my name is Gary Pencil. There you go. Gary Pencil. Gary Pencil, because I have a, I have a giant ledger. Um, I have, I've also got one more piece of equipment here. <laughs> the main, the main plan, gentlemen, is for uh, Radegard Frufru Sloom to charm the ring off the target's finger. But should that fail, I have a blow dart which I will use to incapacitate her, and that will be the <laughs> that will be the cover through which Sigmund, our physician, can examine her. Uh, administer the antidote, and uh, Vanda passes Sigmund a small vial, not of piss. Because <laughs> <laughs> now that needs to be clarified. <laughs> and uh, you can slip the ring off her finger while examining her. Does that make sense? <laughs> Says, not laughing, because it's serious, and Vanda's a serious guy. Uh, sense. <laughs> I mean, Augustus, Augustus is in no case to take this up. I have a couple of queries. I guess, firstly, it sounds somewhat over-engineered, but fundamentally not a bad plan. But I guess my second concern is, how is our good friend Augustus going to get his charisma levels up to the appropriate point, given the absolute state of him at the moment? I could procure more smelling salts. Augustus, please roll a d20. <laughs> okay, I think the d20 may be related to your hangover. <laughs> <laughs> 18 you've got a second wind you feel pretty amazing in fact you're pretty sure nothing is impossible you get advantage on your next roll whatever it is okay augustus grins stupidly at the whole party we will purchase some coffee en route to gearheads right a couple of uh minor points love your name invander love the creativity great stuff don't want to you know, don't want to box you in or anything. Let's drop Fru-Fru from old Radigard's name, because I can remember Radigard's sloom. That's fine. I'll just be Dr. Sigmund, and then that can be either first name or last name, and it's a lot more straightforward. He could be Dr. Sigmund Sigmund. All right. Is that a normal human name? That will be the fallback. Works for me. I mean, is it normal for people to have fallback names? <laughs> Is that not more? <laughs> it does. It does. It does feel very quite lazy of us not to have come up with a full name. <laughs> I'll freestyle it, and I will just be Gary. Then <laughs> we were suggesting that we use fake names whilst we were in this settlement. Oh, perfect! I think I think these ones need to be temporary. <laughs> two two birds, one stone. This is obviously great. So once again, just to clarify. Radegard Sloom, Dr. Sigmund Sigmund. Just Dr. Sigmund. Sorry, Dr. Sigmund, but also Sigmund, just in case, as a fullback. Yep. Yep. Franz Hammer. (laughs) Gary Benzel. (laughs) Just... (laughs) It's been a really, really tough day, okay? I have been living second to second, okay? So you've got fantasy name, German name, more German name... Not a name. Welcome to my mind palace. Okay, cool. 
Cool. He's just got he's got really into mindfulness, so he's not allowed to plan anything at all. <laughs> I am. I'm absolutely living in the moment. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to do before you set off for gearheads? So much. <laughs> but no. I think, yeah, so so gentlemen, we're going to use a mixture of charm and <laughs> to get through the carriages, I think. A mixture of charm and <laughs> it wasn't the second half of that sentence. Second to second. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just like point out so Tox's got a large mallet. For a weapon? Yes. But the name of Hammer? A carpenter's mallet? Or what are we talking here? My guess was it would be a big wooden mallet like a carpenter would use for levelling things rather than for actually hitting things. Because <laughs> it's a wooden mallet. So we, just... we, we as a crew are not rich, okay? I, I blew a lot of money on the wig. Okay, so, I mean, there's very little else to go, to go around. Oh, I, I do apologise, though. I did get a couple more uh, implements, which uh, Vanda now passes out. To you, Sigmund, I have a white coat, should you choose to wear it, and a scalpel. I was about to ask, actually. I didn't think my outfit was necessarily doctorish. You were about to Uh, ask um, about a scalpel. I was not about to ask about a scalpel. (laughs) Uh, I will wear a white coat. I think I can probably do without the scalpel. Uh, Do you, of course. (laughs) Extremely weird line of questioning if after... If someone asks you for your middle name, you're going to need a scalpel. (laughs) Just a quick query, what is Radigard's purpose on train, and why has he got a doctor travelling with him? Radigard is that auspicious, uh, noble, and wholly valuable that he needs a doctor at all times, because his life is that important. Syphilitic, yeah. Yes, and he's syphilitic. I think I can play ill unwell. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. Should we get some coffee or something into him before we go and visit Gearhead? See if we can sort him out a touch. I turn to the bartender. What do you want? Uh, the strongest coffee you can provide. Thank you. What's coffee? Okay. Augustus swats a fly that's not there. We'll find some on the way. Question about um, stay home. Is there is there a boutique coffee shop on the way to get? Um, coffee doesn't exist in this world, so no. What sort of world is it? Tea? You can have tea. Barkeeper tea. Coming up. Best we can do. They bring a hot, sweet tea over. This is rapidly becoming a world I don't want to live in. Do you want milk? Augustus once again just turns bleary eyes on the speaker and then carries on looking forward again. No milk. They walk off. Anything else before you go? I think we're ready. <laughs> I mean, that is a... Bold statement. That's a statement, isn't it? I mean, Jesus. Uh, Augustus is very finely dressed, isn't he? So the wig is just going to really pop. Well, yeah, especially under his top hat. Oh, yeah. There you go. Tock will um, say to Vanda and say, point to spear and shield and a large rucksack full of uh, full of things and say, uh, Vanda, are these items a problem for this job? I think the rucksack should probably stay here, as should really everything you mentioned. They should not be seen. Uh, no, I don't think they add to your image as a bodyguard, Tock. Okay, in which case Tock will take a... Uh, a a reasonable sized bag from inside his rucksack. Was it two foot wide? Looks like a sack. And he'll proceed to put the six foot spear inside the bag, then his shield inside the bag, and then his entire rucksack, apart from one case, also goes inside the bag, all of which can definitely not fit inside the bag. Uh, he then ties up the bag, which appears to be empty, and puts it in a pocket. Talk. Yes, Benny. Magic bag. The bag 
uses a small demi-plane that is attached to this plane. Could I pop a few bits and bobs in there? I did in pub, but which um, probably wouldn't be carried by a nobleman's doctor. What items would not be carried by a nobleman's doctor? Yes, Benny, what items? Uh, you know, for example, a bow and a crowbar. Are these items not used by doctors? They are not used by doctors commonly. You would be welcome to use my bag. Thank you very much. So I, I pop a few items into Tox's bag of holding. You make the short walk to Gearheads, but unlike the day before, you're all getting looks now. Most people see you and grin, while a couple of passers-by greet both Vander and Augustus directly by name and congratulate you on being alive after what you drank the night before. Lovely low-profile, lads. Well done. Benny, you notice the shopkeeper from yesterday walk by and he says, Hello, Benny. Thank you for underlining my points. Nice to see you again. You reach Gearheads and are waved in by the two guards and through reception without having to give up your weapons. Gearhead is stood waiting and smiles at you all. Hello, my friends. Are you ready? We were born ready, Gearhead. Wonderful. Now look here. These are the compartments I want you to get into. And she highlights four large coffin-shaped metal containers in the flooring of the Steamrunner's engine compartment. As she shows it to you, she highlights a small latch button on the inside. She climbs in, closes the lid, and you hear a click from inside and the lid pops open and she gets back out. Simple as anything. So, once you're on the move, the drivers, and I use their word loosely, leave the engine room for a break. You can get out and you'll have free run of the steamrunner. Then, when you have the ring, you get back into the containers, close the lid, and wait for the steamrunner to finish this day-long loop of the surrounding areas. When it comes to stop, the engine carriage will be taken to the storage depot on the southwest outskirts of the city. Head back in, bring me the ring, and I'll give you your money and your wood. Got it? Tok won't reply, but he will just briefly inspect the uh, hidey hole things for stuff like uh, air. Will people who are sealed in here be able to breathe? Uh, he doesn't need to be able to, but the others are probably important. <laughs> It'd be such a weird end for all the quests for us to just get into four coffins and that would be the it. Give me investigation. <laughs> 21. Augustus looks like he can barely breathe now. There are plenty of oxygen holes to allow breathing. Benny has a quick glance in. Bear in mind, Augustus. If you're sick, there's nowhere for it to go. All right, in your pup. Lovely. Vanda gets very awkwardly into his um, travel coffin. The 6% of Augustus' brain that's still technically alive vows vengeance on Benny, but right now he's got bigger problems. You, with you guys in, um, it doesn't take long for each of you to start hearing the sounds of machinery clanking, followed by a sudden jerking sensation as you are lowered into the ground. You can make out the sounds of voices talking and footsteps on the metal flooring above you. Once your descent stops, there is a loud click as the wheels are attached to the rail, and a burst of crackling heat reaches your faces as you start to move. Uh, Augustus, roll a d20, please. Another 13. Uh, you have, you're confident now that you're through the worst of the hangover. In fact, you feel quite buzzing. Despite having been lowered into a hole and hit with a blast of hot air, this feels like the torture specially designed for the hungover to expire. A short while later, the carriage bumps into another one as it's connected to the Steamrunner's carriages. Exactly as Gearhead described, you can hear the movement of heavy boots in the engine room. And once the gentle chugging of the Steamrunner reaches a steady speed, the boot steps all head towards one end of the carriage. A heavy metal door is opened and shut, and then silence. 
I uh, press the little button. And it opens. Can I? I'd like to glance about the cabin. I take it you're trying to do this stealthily? Yes. Give me a stealth check and then an investigation check. 14 for stealth and 15 for investigation. Solid. You look around the main driver's section of the head of the steam runner. As you lift the lid carefully and slowly and peer out, you can see a pair of boots laying on a bed. They are unmoving. There is a gentle sound of snoring echoing through the carriage. So I uh, tap on the lid of the nearest box. Vanda. And I sit up. I'm kind of standing over him with my fingers to my lips. I acknowledge the sign and then push my hands out in a, in a signal of what's going on. I think there's a guard just over there, but he's asleep. So just be a bit careful. And appears down to the carriage. I Presumably I can see the boots as well. Yep. Okay. I might pass this to Benny. I open my ledger, my key part of my disguise, in which I've carved a hole, Shawshank Redemption style, where my blowpipe with the uh, blow darts sit. Benny, I uh, wonder if you might be able to creep up and uh, sedate the guard. How many of these you got? Twenty. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, Fanta. Do we want to? Do we want to do that to him? Isn't it better for him to let him sleep naturally than if he wakes up later and we're gone? Nobody's any the wiser. They find a guard who can't be awoken. We could hit him with with three darts. <laughs> Put him in a very heavy sleep. <laughs> Was I not the doctor? You'd know best. Oh, actually, yeah, we got, we're, not, we're never going to sneak talk past him, are we? <laughs> no previous experience says no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll deal, I'll deal with guard. You wake up the other two. Understood. Love the image of trying to sneak talk past <laughs> anything. Vanda does as, as Benny said. Talk, you hear a knock on the lid of the coffin that you're in. Talk will press the button and uh, open up. Benny, you want to... What is it you're doing? I'm going to creep up behind the guard and attempt to use the blowpipe to sedate him. Oh, give me a stealth check. 24. Nice. So moving quietly on the metal grated floors, there are six sleeping compartments in this carriage. And from what you can see, each of them has a pallid-skinned gnomish creature. These don't look like normal gnomes. Their skin colour is kind of grey and pale, um, but they all appear to be asleep. They're snoring gentle and rhythmic. Evander is signalled to Tok to be quiet. Tok isn't making any noise. I creep back. Tok, got an idea. Do you want to lend us your bag for a minute? So Tok, rather than speaking, will produce a, um, a small flat tablet about you know, four inches or so, and scroll on it with his finger and writing will appear behind it. This is more magical tinkering, uh, Dom. Um, so writing will appear behind um, so he can can reply and uh, he'll essentially ask what your plan is and also suggest for a short distance he might he may enter the bag of holding and be carried. See, thing is, Tok, we need to do a little bit of creeping. That's not really your forte. So why don't you pop in bag for a minute Sneak past these guards. You can hop out. And nods approvingly. Talk will write on the um, the little uh, tablet again. He'll say, uh, "I find this to be agreeable in writing." But then before it says, "Before I will need one minute and some wax." And he goes into his bag, gets out some sealing wax that he has, and starts sealing the edge of the case that he's got. It's normally attached to the bottom of his bag. Uh, once he's finished doing that, he'll then climb into the bag. 
nothing Tok does makes sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Okay, Dom, it does make sense, right? Yeah, I get it, I get it. Okay, cool. Tok, with the sealed leather pouch, climbs into the bag of holding, and he he does the kind of walking downstairs thing, but obviously there's no (laughs) stairs, and disappears into the bag entirely. I mean, Tom, stuff. He might as well just say like, "I butter my thighs and squash two kiwis." <laughs> but every time the, the DM goes, "Quite right, quite right." Yeah, good, good call. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't think we should criticize <laughs> Harry for knowing how to play the fucking game. Anything less than two kiwis, and we would have had a hoot nanny on our hands. Uh, <laughs> I would explain all the stuff I'm doing, but it's really not tox sort of thing. So. <laughs> Okay, so Tok is in the bag, which Benny is now holding. Benny and Vanda, you are in the main compartment. There is a fourth member of your team who is still in his coffin. And Vanda goes to uh, wake, what wake can say, release Augustus. I mean, nothing says hangover cure like coffin, does it? (laughs) Vanda, you wander over to the fourth compartment, give it a knock, and with a and a pop, Augustus enters the room. Augustus, please roll a d20. Oh, God. Not now. As you clamber out, a wall of heat hits you in the face. The engine room has a raging furnace, which appears to be crackling with energy and heat. It has given you an immediate mild headache, but you're confident you'll be okay. We must be quiet, your eminence. Augustus nods regally. Snap to it, Augustus. There's six guards there. We can't knock them all out and expect nobody's going to notice. So I reckon we just try and creep past him and get ourselves into the main part of the train. Vanda nods and opens his ledger, uh, gesturing for Benny to replace the blow dart and then closes the ledger when the blow dart goes in. So your plan is to show me what your plan is. Do your plan. I've seen that these two are asleep, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Benny lead the way. So I'm going to creep past these two and then just check whether I can tell the next ones. Uh, yeah, you, you look in and you can hear more rhythmic snoring and two more pallid gnomes are asleep. Continue to creep onwards. Two more pallid gnomes? Yep, both asleep. Can I do an investigation? You can, and you can do a stealth check along with it. And Augustus, you can do a stealth check as well. Okay, my investigation is 22. Now, what was it you were investigating? Uh, just to see if there's any kind of further things in the carriage, like a you know, I don't know, like a banana skin that I'm about to... No, there are no traps or banana skins or any of um, the like. Did you say, DM, that I'd get my next throw at advantage? I did say that. So I can be advantage stealth. It's good for me because... Oh my god. I what? got stealth four as well. With advantage four. Oh, heavy armour. Oh god. Yeah, I was going to say, but the thing is, Al, you can you can take your armour off. Should I be taking my armour off? I mean, I, I feel like I feel like taking my taking my armor off in this corridor is probably going to be one of the least stealthy things a person could do. Maybe before we go into the party, I should take off my armor. Well, like I've rolled a four anyway, so so that's just to be clear. That's a four and a four on stealth rolls. So as you make your way along the metal grated floor, your boots both clang and click, and the snoring of the six gnomes stops momentarily. And then continues again. Ooh. I mean, I think the only thing I've got, I can't take my armor off here. So, a uh, hangover, hungover man removing armor sounds like literally <laughs> the loudest sound <laughs> in the universe. So, I'm just going to very, as quietly as possible, continue down the corridor. Benny, you have reached the door. I'm going to get um, Tok out of the bag. Well, like all of him, or just 
so you can talk to him. No, it's time for him, time for him to get out. I think. Okay, then Toc will, Toc will climb out the bag. Elevator this time. Elevator up out of the bag. Does he look at his watch on the way out? Of course, and combs his hair. I mean, it felt like a really smart thing to do, but then everyone rolled a four on stealth anyway. So yes, they did. Is this door? I'd like to look at this door. See if it must be locked. No, oh, uh, it it definitely is locked. Um, you can you as you try the handle, it's definitely locked. I would like to attempt to unlock it. Oh, can you give me a thieves' tools check, please? Twenty six. Wow, got quite a good modifier there. <laughs> in less than three seconds, you put your thieves' tools in, and there's an immediate click which unlocks the door. Once again, the snoring stops. And then starts again. I open the door and decide to stroll through confidently. <laughs> I will. I will go with him. Carriage is a cockatrice transportation carriage. <laughs> they rip Benny to shreds. Uh, you find yourselves in the storage carriage. It's dark and cool in comparison to the engine carriage. There are no windows, so you can't see what the outside scenery looks like. And as you look around the carriage, it's full of luggage, traveling packs, suitcases, crates, and boxes. They seem to be precariously tied into place using very thin rope, and it's quite difficult to see a way to navigate through. Can I have perception checks from everyone, please? Tok will uh, hold up his little tablet to Benny again and say um, on it, Gearhead said any items we found on the train apart from the ring would be ours. I've rolled a 21. 10 for Augustus. 20 for me. Uh, I wrote a four. Talks distracted by writing. Uh, Vanda and Benny, you both hear rummaging coming from further down the carriage. I'm going to close the door behind us so we're not going to wake up the gnomish folk. And I explain the noises uh, to the other two who didn't hear that. Uh, Benny, might you be able to uh, investigate? Well... Seeing as I'm apparently the only person who can walk forward without making a clattering noise, I suppose I ought to. So yeah, I, I creep forward, see if I can identify the source of the sound. Stealth check, please. This is where I'm going to be hoisted by my own petard, isn't it? 20. Oh. I'm just, actually, I can't score four on a stealth check, so I was always <laughs> going to beat you guys. <laughs> oh, well, your petard remains unexploded for now. <laughs> Not sure. I don't know what a petard is. It's a mine, isn't it? Or like yeah. a big explosive backpack kind of thing. Yeah, medieval kind of bomb, yeah. Uh, ben, Benny, as you make your way down the carriage carefully, you find yourself edging around a large crate, and you suddenly see the behinds of a man and a woman in neat blue uniforms, which you recognise as that of the bounders. They're on their hands and knees and are reaching into a box on the floor and have absolutely no idea that you're there. I would like to stealth my way back to the group. That's fine. You're still you 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 passed the stealth check before. So when you get back, uh, Toc is still um, discussing with Augustus the word petard. <laughs> Bounders up ahead, lads. Maybe a couple of your blow darts might not be a bad idea, Evander. Be able to take down one with a blow dart, but we'll need uh, something for the other. Uh, talk all, um Can I use the mallet? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tuck will have to. <laughs> one gets the expensive tranquilizer, one gets the cheap one, okay? Uh, Although, I'm going to point out, he's still not great with... <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, is that if that's the plan. 
Do we want Tok to be sneaking up on these people? With a massive hammer? <laughs> He's not the sneakiest chap, is he? No. Um, Benny, uh, could you... Well, yeah, I'd say could, Benny. Could Augustus... Did, did, forgive me if I didn't hear this properly. Did you say they were looking through people's bags? They they were... So they're on the floor, on their hands and knees, with their backs facing to where Benny was, and they're rummaging through a large crate. I feel like Augustus might be able to just bluff past them here. They might defer to an aristocrat in this situation. Okay. Um, I can I can help you with that. Yeah, I guess we could pretend we were looking for something in the baggage area, couldn't we? That's right. They won't question. I don't if Augustus sort of plays high and mighty, they'll be embarrassed and have to explain themselves and they won't get a chance to ask him what he's doing. Solid plan. Okay. Remember you're not called Augustus. <sighs> Augustus remembers that. <laughs> okay, well, hang on. Radagast Sloom is gonna step from the shadows. Cigarette in hand, because that's going to be my reason for being in this little carriage. Uh, I'm guessing bodyguard should probably be next to him rather than the other two. Or uh, I think I think others just lurk for now. I wouldn't get too. I'm going to go with because I'm your introducer, aren't I? And I'm your personal physician. So, <laughs> so we're not like smoke. I've got my full staff. <laughs> I never go anywhere with my, without my manicurist. Is there any chance I can sort of sneak up on them? Because I'd like to surprise them by saying... Fuck will hang back to... yeah. I think that if I can inspire some guilt by catching them, that will give me the sort of edge I need to bluff past them. Give me a stealth check. Oh, God. I'm, I'm still wearing my armour. Um, Tok will uh, guide you by trying to say, uh, don't fall over any bags. Have an extra D4 to that check. Very good idea. What a roll. That's beautiful. Uh, so that's a... Si- so 16... Plus to 18. The bounders have no idea you're approaching and are still rummaging through the crate as you turn the corner behind them. Gentlemen. Oh! And they both bang their heads on the crate. Oh, what the fuck is that? Oh, oh, hello. I turn in disdain to Vander and gesture to him to introduce me. Uh, introducing his holiness, Lord Sloom. You are honoured to be in his presence. Vander genuflects. I nod gravely to suggest that they are indeed honoured. The two bounders look at one another. Uh, it's, a, a, it's an honour to meet you, uh, Sir Sloom. Lord Sloom. Lord Sloom. Lord Sloom. Sorry. Sorry. I walk forward and Augustus walks forward and peers at them as if someone's just pointed out some interesting animals hiding at the back of a cage in a zoo. Gary, what on earth are these creatures doing rummaging on the floor would you like their names taken your ineffable eminence i give the smallest nod slime names says gary pencil um i'm barry trotter and this is larry mcgiven god the the name the names are on fire tonight furious scribbling but just to be clear (laughs) that's just to be clear that's larry barry and gary Uh, barry is a woman Right. Okay. So, like, all the best stories have Larry, Barry, Gary, and Radagard. <clears throat> My liege, am I marking these for death or merely a, a punishment of their superiors' making? Augustus appears to have lost the thread of the conversation and just stares at the wall above their heads. You are, <laughs> oh, you are honoured uh, that uh, his most <laughs> Denothlian Majesty. Has chosen Denothlian. Did you say Denothlian? Gary, stop being ridiculous. Uh, Gary has a coughing fit. <laughs> Excuse Gary. 
Sir Sloom employs him out of pity mostly, but he absolutely has absolutely no idea what he's talking about most of the time, as you've probably noticed. Sir Sloom, should we be moving on? Yes, you're quite right, Sigmund. Do forgive my manicurist. He knows not what he speaks. A thousand apologies, Doctor. I obviously need per- persuasion or deception checks from all of you. Well, Tok hasn't uh, Except for Tok. Tok is a sweetheart. 17 for deception from me. 23 for persuasion from Augustus. Well, uh, <laughs> a rather unsurprising seven from, uh, from Carrie. We're going to go with the overall average. I mean, I think that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because Carrie is being presented as a nitwit and the, that's what the others are saying. So his low persuasion fits the, the bit. Well, uh, oh, well, apologies, uh, my lord. We'll, we'll get out of your way. C- come on, Larry. Barry, let's go. Okay. I'm going to update my notes. Um, and they both begin to make their way to the south and they leave the compartment. If we're walking past, Tox can have a look in whatever crate they were looking in. Give me an investigation check. Uh, Augustus is going to lose the armour. Tox rolled a 27. Tox, from your investigation into the crate they were looking into, you find a, a small bottle full of red liquid. It appears to have a, a slightly silvery undertone to it. Uh, are we... Uh, are we- talking um, uh, claret, or are we thinking something like a healing potion? We are thinking something like a healing potion. Okay, I will um, bring it to the group's attention, but you know. You also find a small stone, which appears to have four carvings on it. Um, There is a flame, there's kind of two sets of different wavy lines, and then there is a kind of half-drawn circle. Uh, You also find a javelin. Uh, So I will... I'll bring the healing potion to everyone's attention. I think that the carved stone I'll, I'll stow for now. And uh, in terms of the javelin, I don't think this is probably the time to be waving it around. So I'd probably chuck that in the bag. But again, everyone will see. I'm not, Tox's not going to do it surreptitiously. Uh, and that is all you find. Uh, oh, well, actually, uh, Benny is meant to be the doctor at the moment. So I'll pass him the healing potion. That's committing. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Gentlemen, can anyone suggest what those men were looking for? Well, banders tend to be looking for signs of us. <laughs> signs of us. Pissy fingers. They were up to something, weren't they? They may have been attempting to remove these items. There may have been more items in the crate before. Yeah, possibly. But on whose say-so, I wonder? Yes. Maybe something to keep an eye out for. I suspect the answer lies in the carriages down the train. Tock will have a look back at the carriage and say, there may be many more items in the other luggage. I suggest that we better better make progress as quickly as possible. And maybe as if we could um, not say that uh, old Radigard is from Denoflia, that that'd probably be helpful in future. Of course, uh, apologies, Vander, if I came across like uh, Dr. Sigmund thought you were some kind of fool. Of course, that was entirely in character. Tall, Doctor. I think it's best we stay in character. Adds to the deception. Very well. Well, servants, onwards. Your words, my will. (laughs) (laughs) It's never sounded more natural than coming out of Augustus's (laughs) mouth. Lord Sloom, I find that acceptable. (laughs) Very good, friends. Okay, you are now in, as the blueprint tells you, the sleeping carriage. The sleeping carriage has ten rooms in it, five on each side. All the doors are closed, and there doesn't appear to be any movement or sound coming from any of them. The entire carriage is covered in wooden panel boards, which mask the metal frame of the steam runner. What was the time of day? It's still it's still kind of morning towards midday. Gentlemen, since 
we ought to expect our quarry to be awake at this hour. I suggest we don't create further difficulties for ourselves by breaking into 10 sleeping carriages and inviting capture. A good idea, my lord. Very well. Where would you like to go, sir? Enjoying the uh, deferential attitude, Dr. Sigmund. Uh, straight along the carriage, and out the other end. Um, Augustus, as you reach, um, as you wander past this door here, uh, you suddenly get the overwhelming smell of incense burning. It's a very kind of pleasant floral smell. And you can hear humming coming from inside the compartment. So I sort of whisper to the others, does this does this mean anything to anyone? Anyone recognise this smell? Would that be a perception check, uh, DM? Yeah, you can give me a perception check if you want. 17. Uh, Fanda, you you know that as a particular type of incense that is used in carnivals and circuses. It's specifically used to entice people in in order to pay money for things. I'm going to <laughs> explain to the group that I think this is a scam <laughs> and that we should carry on. Doc will look again very confused, but won't won't like say anything. Yeah, Augustus is not objecting to that. I'm happy to carry on past the weird incense room. Um, by the way, I don't know if we passed any windows or anything, but are we? Do we do not outside the uh, the train? Is it is it tunnel or is it open air? It's open air. It would be countryside. So the the countryside of Ovik, which is mountainous but covered in greens and trees, is this beautiful country really. Upon entering the carriage, uh, the kit, the kitchen carriage, you're met with the smell of roasting meat and vegetables. Uh, immediately on your left and right are six rooms. Uh, the doors are open. Glancing inside reveals stained and dirty white cook's clothes. Down the end of the carriage, you can see a number of grey-skinned gnomes, similar to the ones that you saw that were asleep. They're taking trays out of wood-burning ovens. The, ho- the hot cooked meals are then placed on wooden boards, which are quickly sliced and cut by another gnome. The process forms something of a dance as they efficiently prepare and plate exotic foods on a number of plates. Anticipating Augustus's next move, uh, Toc will um, uh, guide him by saying, uh, rely on your nobility, thus giving him uh, D4 to his next check, which I assume he'll be making. Yeah, uh, Augustus has 25 years of relying on his nobility, and he continues to do so by breezing down the carriage. Confident stride. Um, as as you approach the grey-skinned gnomes, they immediately put down what they're holding, drop to one knee and bow their heads. Don't think you need to roll. Augustus raves, waves a royal hand and strides past them towards the door at the other end. Yep. We'll follow. Okay. The change from the previous carriage to this one is stark. Rich furnishings, thick, heavy carpeting and gold leaf finish to the dark wood immediately give the sense of class and sophistication. As you know from the blueprints, there are only two ensuite cabins in this carriage, the first of which belongs to Lady Sophia Calibri of Alphon. Gentlemen, we're approaching our target. A quick question, Panda. Where did we decide Radegard Sloom was from? Never Kansa. That's fine. I'm a hungover, bewigged, top hat wearing Wild West prince. <laughs> <laughs> it actually fits pretty well. Yes, fine. I look forward to combining all those accents into one thing. Barely, barely even role-playing at this point. <laughs> so you guys are in the, the fancy carriage. What are you doing? I think perhaps 
Dr. Sigmund, you might like to take the first peek around the corner just to make sure we're not going to run into any bother. Well, then I'll have a peek around the corner in a stealthy, yet dignified fashion. 24 on stealth. Very quietly and carefully, you stare down the long corridor. You can see two doors, both on the right-hand side of the direction that you're standing. Uh, You can see no other forms of life or anything else of interest. It appears there's nobody around, sir. Okay, I think we're back to Radegard striding along and everyone trailing in his wake. Okay, so quietly now, uh, gentlemen, thoughts? Should we attempt to seek her out in the open? Do we know if she's likely to be wearing this ring? I think the chances are that she will be wearing it if it's of such value, in which case maybe we would be better to try finding her out in the open rather than sneaking around in her carriage and arousing any suspicions. I suggest, my lord, we knock and see if she's there, because seeing her on her own would be an advantage to us. Very well. Stand back, men. So Augustus uh, raps on the door. There is no response. Well, gentlemen, we ought to carry on. I wonder, Benny, whether as we... Lord Slew, do you mean Dr. Sigmund Sigmund? Quite right, Franz Hammer. I do mean Dr. <laughs> Sigmund Sigmund. <laughs> Sigmund Sigmund. Perhaps your scalpel could allow you at least a, the gentlest of perusals of the room while we carry on and attempt to loudly waylay anyone who we meet in the next carriage or towards the end of this carriage. I would be willing to have a light peruse. We're going to Scooby-Doo this, are we, and split up? Uh, so I think uh, Augustus Tock and Gary... Are going to God. The names are getting crazy. Anyway, Augustus Tock and Vander are going to walk along the corridor, but in a slow stroll. Augustus pacing as if he's dictating a letter or discussing something complicated in a sort of way that the, an army general might, while giving orders, and therefore giving an excuse for us to go very slowly down the corridor. Gary will be scribbling with his pencil. Do you want Tock just to stand in the corner, just to block kind of the the, the place? I think, yeah, I think Tok could like sort of kind follow at a respectful distance so he could probably lag back slightly towards the door where Benny is going to attempt to work his magic. Um, I would like to check for any signs of traps or anything, you know, if she's kind of put something to see if anyone's been in the carriage or anything like that, you know, how people put bits of tape or whatever. <laughs> uh, I do know that. Uh, perception. Or investigation. Mm, <laughs> perception. Nine. You can't see any signs of traps, but you do notice that the door is locked. Uh, I will attempt to open it. Cool. Give me a thieves' tools check. 21. Easy, like a hot knife through butter, your thieves' tools go through the lock, opening the door. I let myself in. The door. You open the door, step in, and as you step in, you suddenly feel a tug on your left foot. Oh, balls ringing out around the compartment alarm 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 alarm. is there a window or anything alarm there are two windows in the room and you can see the beautiful countryside of ovic flashing by at the sea. salmon of ovic <laughs> i dash to a window and open it wide and then i return to the door give me an athletics or acrobatics check depending on how you want to do the opening of the window and how quickly? Acrobatically, of course. Natural 20 for 24. Almost hand-springing over to increase your speed. 
Uh, you leap over a beautifully designed sofa, open a window, which causes a, an enormous sound from the outside as the countryside whooshes past, and you're able to get back to the open door quickly while the alarm continues alarm. to ring. Alarm. Why is Dr. Alarm. Sidman doing a alarm. bunch of backflips in that compartment? Alarm. What would you? What alarm. would the rest of you like to do? Alarm. I call out loudly, gentlemen, it appears the thieves have already escaped. We've searched the compartment and the window's wide open. They must have exited that way. Gary continues to scribble. From down the corridor, Barry and Larry begin sprinting down. Uh, what's going on here? Gentlemen, my physician here has... We heard an alarm and my physician went in to investigate what had happened and he tells me the compartment is empty and the window is wide open quick at the window <laughs> perception check please and also roll a d20 for me oh. uh, <laughs> deception first done. oh deception seven roll a d20 oh no 19 terrible liar but you feel great about uh, it i was gonna say you, you do technically still have the uh, the guidance from before it's only been a minute or so hasn't it yeah that's true then yeah get a d4 for that so roll, roll a d4 to add to it could make all the difference oh, oh. Uh, four to add making the total 11 the two bounders look suspiciously at you for a moment and then they say uh okay my lord that's fine. We'll take it from here. If you want to head, I presume you're heading to the entertainment caboose? Well, yes, we we were heading to the entertainment, either there or to uh, report any strange behaviour by guards on the train. There's a moment of silence between the two of you, and then one of them moves out of the way to let you pass. Augustus strides by. Quick, Gary, come with me. Yes, my liege. As I pass, I say, gentlemen, the door was open when I arrived. I believe I saw a figure exiting the window. It seems very hard to believe that they would still be alive if that was the case, however. And I continue on my way. Deception check, please. So much of this is hard to believe. <laughs> I, think you should, I think you should diagnose one of them with a calcium deficiency. Really play on their nerves. Twelve. Annoyingly, that is enough. <laughs> They're not very bright, old Barry and Larry. <laughs> Quickly, out the window. Oh, Stock helps them get out the window. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they go in and you hear the door shut behind them. Oh, well, this seems fine. Let's carry on. <laughs> They're basically blatantly going to loot the place, aren't they? Another carriage, Dan. <laughs> you know, it's our performance is getting worse and worse as we go from carriage to carriage. I feel like we should, um, I feel like we should report those bounders quickly so they're found in the room. 100%. <laughs> if we find someone to report them to, we definitely say that we found them rooting around in the luggage compartment and chase them off. And then they quickly legged it down the train and broke into a carriage. Um, you step into what you know to be the entertaining caboose. There are rich fabrics everywhere and there is the smell of incense burning. You can hear chitter chatter coming and the compartment appears to be quite busy. The first thing you see... Sipping from a smoking goblet is a dwarven woman with long red hair tied into buns. She's reading a newspaper and slowly sipping from her drink while giving an order to another of the pallid-skinned gnomes. At the end of the carriage, you can see a incredibly well-dressed woman talking to two uniquely dressed men. Augustus, you immediately recognize the wealth and prestige of the woman. She must be a member of the elite. I um, mutter to uh, Radegard, 
Radegard, would there be any value in suggesting to Lady Sophia that there are a couple of bounders poking about in her carriage? I had considered that, Dr. Sigmund. My reservation is that she may wonder how we know that the carriage belongs to her. Our prior studying of the blueprints of this train being a somewhat difficult thing to explain. Perhaps we could set off to interact with her as quickly as possible and perhaps mention this strange thing that we witnessed. These two hooligans ransacking carriages and luggage racks and stealing broth from the kitchens. Uh, so with, with that in mind, Augustus is going to sort of head off down the carriage, not not meaning to engage these first people, but obviously I don't know if people are going to engage him. Okay, as you pass the dwarven woman, uh, you can smell the strong, pungent smell of alcohol coming from her drink, even from this distance. In the next section beyond, there are an orc male and female who look a little bit uncomfortable, and opposite them is a bounder who only has eyes for the two of them. Uh, the two orcs are dressed in traditional orcish ceremonial fighting apparel, which is in superb condition. As you pass, they raise their goblets in your direction. Trying to work out what to do here, whether to report the one, the two bounders to the other bounder. I look, I'm looking around at the others to see if anyone's got a view on that because Augustus is still super hungover. Don't snub the other passengers. <laughs> Augustus is certainly going to nod to the orcs who've raised their glass to him. They, they smile a little bit uncomfortably. Hmm. This feels like something worth investigating. Anyone got a strong view on what we do here? Vander mutters to Augustus, target up ahead, my liege. Augustus nods and keeps going. Oh, and the next comfortable set of sofas, you see a man sat alone drinking a glass of water. He's tall and slender with pointed elven ears. His pale skin almost glistens and he barely registers you as you wander by. His eyes are focused towards the back of the caboose. That's fine. Happy with that. He's creepy as hell, but let's keep going. As you head, in, as you head further down, on both sides you see two enormous great men. One of them is bearded, the other is bald and covered in tattoos. Uh, they appear to have weapons around their waists, and they are sat bolt upright, staring. The moment you come into view, both of their eyes fall upon you. You're just getting scarier and scarier. <laughs> I'm just super glad I took my chainmail off. <laughs> yeah. Have any of the other passengers been armed at all, like the orcs and the people we passed? You haven't seen... I mean, none of you did any perception checks, but you didn't see anything. Are we armed? We haven't had to give our weapons in, right? Yeah, so what Benny's carrying, not carrying his bow, top put his stuff apart from the mallet in his bag. I've got my uh, short sword. And I mean, if, it feels like there's 36 different people who can kill us and things that can happen here. But I think Augustus is going to just keep striding confidently down the way towards... The lady, I don't. You can hear the conversation coming from the three people who are now stood directly in front of you. Augustus waves to Tok and Benny to keep their distance. So I'm kind of hoping they'll have a sense of servitude and they'll take up inconspicuous positions nearby, but not. We don't want to walk up as a four. I want those two to hang back a bit. I'm going to clonk myself down next to this character. <laughs> I say, mm. next to the uh, bald tattooed warrior man <laughs> he just got a doctor and a mercenary just sat next to me he he turns to face you with a stony expression but doesn't say a word i say uh, you're hired help as well aren't you just like me isn't it wonderful serving our uh, aristocratic overlords give me a persuasion or deception check your choice 23 duh it is not always ideal anyway if you'll excuse me 
just going to take the weight off my feet for a moment while I have the chance. And of course. And he looks across the way and nods at the other person, the bearded man who nods back at him. And they go back to sitting and staring forward. Friends! Augustus and Vanda, um, you approach and you can see directly in front of you is a man draped in loose-fitted silks of different colours. He does have a perfectly shaped and crafted dark beard and thick black eyeshadow. You've never really seen anyone dressed like this before. Next to him is a man with dreadlocks who is dressed in similar attire, and they appear to be laughing uproariously with the well-dressed woman. <laughs> and then you will not believe this, what happened. It was insane. There was a manticore, and it had a thorn in its paw. And so I approached it to remove the thorn, and, but then I slit its throat. <laughs> you have the honor of being in the presence of the flower of Nebuchadnezzar, the Almighty's representative on Earth, Lord Sloom. Dari gestures magnificently at Lord Sloom. I do not know the name Sloom. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, lady, pleasure to introduce you to the name of Sloom. I am Radagard Sloom. Who do I have the pleasure of meeting? I am Lady Sophia Calibri, and these are my two new friends, Felix and Tom Beely. It is a pleasure to meet you. It is a pleasure. So how did you get your ticket to this rather impressive event? If I may, your eminence, his grace does not concern himself with the getting of tickets. They are provided to him. All doors are open to his majesty. Augustus waves a hand to say he's not interested in such trifles. Give me a persuasion check, Vanda. Fifteen. Well, I have to say it's quite a nice idea to have someone announce you and all of your impressiveness. I, I, I must think about getting that myself. Oh, I'd be delighted to lend you Gary here at any time. Gary Pencil, at your service. That's <laughs> fine. I, I'm sure I can find someone from Alphon who could do the job. There's nothing against you, Mr. Pencil, was it? None taken. And another bow. Gary, do go and sit down. Your words, my will, my liege. And I hobble uh, towards the doctor, presumably. So, Lord Sloom, um, what, what's the family business? Well, I'd say that family concerns itself with avoiding business at all times. Leisure is my chief pursuit. Roll a d20, please. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Fifteen? We're still good? You're still good. You're still good. (laughs) The chain was about to become a vomit comet. (laughs) I completely understand. We're we're quite about the leisure as Calibris as well. I presume you've heard of me. Of course, madam, but it's a great pleasure to meet you in the flesh. I must say, your beauty far outweighs your sterling reputation. Persuasion check. Augustus can barely see through the hangover. Fourteen. Oh, you are a charmer, aren't you? And she offers you her hand. And as she offers it to you, you can see the ring made out of gold, but with a red stone in it. I, I wince at the thought of Vanda removing these fingers. But I uh, gently kiss her hand and make no comment and make no particular play of looking at or otherwise sort of, you know, I, I try not to show her that I've noticed the ring. So Tom Beely here was just telling me about the time that he slayed a manticore. I don't suppose you've got any interesting stories about slaying beasts. So you're quite a quite a large, imposing man, if you don't mind me saying. Yes, dozens of stories, but I'd hate to bore you. I just, my, my first thought and entering this carriage is to find out where I might get a drink. Oh, the gnomes. The gnomes get you there. 
gnome, gnome. She calls down the carriage and the one of the pallid skin gnomes begins to approach, skirting quickly between Tog and Vanda. What can I get you? A uh, glass of your finest wine, please, my... Actually, I'm not going to say that. Glass of my finest wine. No, please. No good fellow. What type of wine? Your finest wine. Okay. Let me skitters away. Hmm. The wine and food is... It's okay. Obviously, I've expected better things, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. Of course. And what brings you aboard this... Hmm. Don't know what to say now. I was going to say fine train, but she doesn't seem to like it. Now I'm thinking I shouldn't like it either. What brings you aboard this? I look around slightly disdainfully. Train. The steam runner, yes. It's it's not very nice, is it? But when there are important things opening, this is the first of its kind. I am one of the people that you invite, as I'm sure you're aware, as you are also one of the creme de la creme of society. Of course, madam. And and what's your plan for the rest of the day? Just to stay here and enjoy the journey? Well, I'll enjoy it as much as I can. But yes, food, drink, and then probably sleep until we arrive back in Slate Home. Now, team, I'm completely stumped as to how to separate this woman from these incredible number of terrifying people around us. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to waddle forward in your liege. You asked to be reminded of the following transactions, and you're going to see across my uh, ledger, get her smashed. <laughs> uh, my lady, have you tried Slatehome's finest and most traditional <laughs> beverage? What would that be? Well, I understand it's a rather strange and mysterious drink called creme de menthe. Oh, it sounds gnomish. Is it? Is it a gnomish drink? I'd say so. Not perhaps one for a refined palate, but when in... Oh, God, there's no rope, is there? When in Ovik, fuck's sake. You're talking myself into corners. Uh, good to try the local delicacy wherever you find yourself. Does it get you tiddly? It certainly does. <laughs> Marvellous. Last night, I was positively halfway up the walls and on the ceiling. Well, you, you look fine for it, if you don't mind me saying so. Why, thank you, madam. You should see me when I'm sober. <laughs> And the gnome approaches with a glass of white wine. Here's your wine. Gnome! Creme de Monte immediately. Give it coming. For a moment, the gnome looks at you. You just see his shoulders sag. All right. He turns back round. Um, as he passes the elven character, you see a hand reach out and grab the wine off of the tray. And then he continues. Oh, I didn't get my wine. Sorry, I, I should have snatched the wine from the tray. That's fine. I didn't say that. And so the wine is gone. I assumed that was a nobleman power play. Yeah, <laughs> it really felt like a, no, I don't want that now. I want creme de moth there. <laughs> it's, it's no surprise that someone of your breeding hasn't noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, after a short while, the gnome returns with a full bottle of creme de moth, emerald green in colour with four small crystal glasses. Here's your creme de moth. Wonderful. Uh, Madam, would you care to join me? And I go and sit down. Oh, I'd love to. Totally ignoring the other dudes. I'm trying to shoehorn the other dudes out of the conversation. Taking your hint, the two of them sit opposite. Nice. I'm going to stand here. So I'm just a, a bit of a kind of screen block. I'm trying to screen the others off a bit. So you have the creme de month, you have two glasses, and you are sat with Lady Sophia Calibri. Lady Sophia, let me pour a drink for you. And I pour a generous measure of creme de month. Oh, you are trying to get me tiddly, aren't you? I, I allay her fears by pouring a generous measure for myself, drinking it. 
Oh, God. A battle rages inside (laughs) Augustus. Humanity. She offers you a cheers with the glass. Uh, Yeah. Well, Augustus has poured it down, has already poured it down his throat. So he cheerses with the empty glass. Oh, down in one. Okay. She pulls it down. Uh, Please roll two D20s. Oh, God. I'm not sure about Augustus, but I'm pretty sure Al's been training for this moment his entire life. (laughs) An eight and a 19. Nice. You get advantage on your next roll. Um, as as initially you feel quite unwell after the shot, but very quickly your head feels a little light and you think, oh, maybe a little bit drunk, a little bit drunk. Can we see what this elven character is doing? Well, I was just going to say, Augustus is now basically just going to make small talk in a sort of jovial way and try and hammer down the creme de menthe and hope his friends can drag him home by his feet. Uh, Benny, sorry, what did you want to do while um, Vanda and Augustus are instigating yet another drinking game? I'm going to hop up and... Uh, I say to this chap, I say, it looks like they've settled in for the duration. I think I'm going to stretch my legs, stroll up the carriage. Let's have a look at this elven chap. I get, he's maybe like, he's like a perception check, see if I can get any sense of what he's up to. Yep, perception check. Just 10. All you can see is that he sat there with a glass of water and a full glass of wine, which is currently sat beside him, but has not been drunk. And you say, sort of, is he staring in the in the direction of... Yeah, so he sees you as you kind of walk between the two areas. And for a moment, his eyes flicker to you, but then they're back to the kind of space behind you. He's obviously concentrating very hard on listening or watching that area. I decide to stand next to him and, like, mirror what he's doing in a slightly dickish way. <laughs> oh, Benny being a dick. Who had that on the bingo card? <laughs> <laughs> his attention has now been drawn to you, mirroring him and his behaviour. What are we looking at? I know what I'm looking at. What are you looking at? Well, I'd like to know what you're looking at, because it seems to be very interesting, but I can't quite work out what it is. What's your name? My name <laughs> is Dr. Sigmund. I'm pleasure to meet you. Deception check. For either the name or the fact you said it was a pleasure. Hmm. A doctor. Impressive. Human medicine, though. Well, naturally. You have some medical skills yourself? My name is Rothskill. I'm an elf, so of course I have some medical training. We are superior race. Of course. Stands to reason. And so modest as well. Modesty is for the weak and the ignorant. What is of such great interest to you? Mm, I hear conversation. There is a man up there by the name of Tom Beely. I'm not familiar with him, I have to admit. Hmm. Well, I am. He is currently wanted by the elves of Lanasil, and I have been sent to recover some artifacts that he has taken. I see. How do you plan to do such a thing? I was going to poison him, to be honest. Any thoughts as a doctor? My first thought is it's rather odd that you're telling me this, to be frank. Well, if I think for a second that you're going to blow my cover, then I'll kill you too. Can I take an insight check to see if I think he's being honest? I mean, he appears to be very straightforward. (laughs) Pretty straightforward. 13. Uh, He is telling you the absolute God's honest truth. Extra chaos? Doesn't (laughs) sound like a bad thing for us. What do you have to poison him with? I've been growing some poisoned leaves, um, and I've currently extracted some of the ambery juice out of them into this wine. It should kill him within seconds. Hmm. Well, there's likely to be a little uproar when that happens, surely. It is not my concern, as long as I get the artifact back. To be frank, Rothskill, I don't particularly object to your plan. I believe that you need to do what you need to do. But I can see how this may play into... we are doing on this train. The two chaps here in the uh, compartment in front of us, 
Are they Lady Sophia's bodyguards or someone else's? As far as I can tell, they're her bodyguards. Siegmund's not very big on the Hippocratic Oath, is he? <laughs> He's just <laughs> recommending the wholesale murder of everyone in the carriage. <laughs> it's like, I like what you're saying, but I think we could probably poison more people. <laughs> exactly. No, no, all I'm thinking is, if he if he poisons Rothskill, there'll be an alert and good old Augustus could very kindly escort Lady Sophia back to her carriage and keep an eye on her like a wonderful, uh, chivalrous chap. But if her bodyguards are in the way, then that's going to cause some problems. And when we get there, the, the place will be saying, alarm, alarm, alarm. Look here, Rothskill. We have... Uh, we have certain things going on in this carriage ourselves. I'll do a deal with you. Just wait for my signal before you administer the poison. If you do that, when the uh, poison takes effect, I will rush over and, as a doctor, attempt to administer to the patient. I will not, if you do, if you time it as I choose, I will not give any indication that this man has been poisoned, rather that he's had simply an unfortunate medical incident, which may give you a few moments to get away. What do you say? I need to recover the artifact. But, in theory, I have no problems. What's the artifact you're after, by the way? I would rather not say, which is as important to my kind. How exactly do you plan to get away after poisoning a man in broad daylight? I shall just exit through one of the windows. Of course. Foolish of me. Crane's bleeding people out the windows the whole time. Not sure if I mentioned (laughs) it, but we elves are a superior race to humans. So a fall like that would not impact us at all. I believe you did bring it up. (laughs) And yet you didn't listen. Strange. Anyway, that is an acceptable deal to me. Very well. Well, it's been certainly been interesting making your acquaintance. Um, I'll return shortly. I just want to point out, I think I would be very distrustful of a doctor who comes to a dead person and says they've had a medical incident and can't, <laughs> can't in any way be more specific. He's depressed. He's just really depressed. <laughs> they were alive and now they're not. I'm a doctor. That's as far as I'm prepared to go. <laughs> uh, so one of the gnomes has come over and Rothskill informs him to take the wine up the or down the caboose and hand it to Tabili, but to do it on his instructions. Augustus, you and Lady Sophia have are now drunk. She takes a shot and you see her eyes begin to kind of swirl as she begins to kind of look to faint and swoon and she falls forward towards Vanda. Uh, I'm going to attempt to stop her crashing to the ground. Give me a athletics check. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, using his impressive strength. <laughs> a 16. Nice. All right. Yeah, you, you, you actually move quick enough, drop your cane and catch her so that she doesn't hurt herself in the fall. Benny, you have heard a sudden commotion coming from the end of the caboose. Dr. Sigmund, come quickly. Uh, Talk will assist with communication. I I say to Rothskill, now might not be a bad time, you know, to pick up my bag and hurry over. He gives you a nod and he sends the gnome off a lot behind you. Uh, So Talk, you have seen uh, this commotion happening and the two bodyguards have seen it too. And they begin moving towards... Yeah, Talk will 
follow. Yeah, so Tok, who follow along behind the two guards, the gnome appears and offers the drink to Tom Beely, whose eyes are fixed on the lady and he's not really paying attention. And so his friend Felix takes the glass and downs it in one. Oh, God. Almost instantly, Felix falls to the floor and begins frothing at the mouth. And the two bodyguards kind of see the two people now. They've seen you, Vander, catch her. So they don't really see you as a threat. Uh, more as someone who's trying to protect. And obviously, Augustus, you look hammered. I'm hammered. Benny. I'm Franz hammered. So I... The gnome rushes away. I glance around. I say, this woman's simply intoxicated. Return her to her carriage immediately. And this man appears to be in greater trouble. With me! And I sort of point to the bodyguard and gesture over that I need some help. Give me a persuasion or deception check. 20. Nice. Oh, the two bodyguards who seconds ago looked concerned about Lady Sophia respond positively to you barking instructions at them and they begin rushing towards Felix while Tom Beely is becoming more and more hysterical. Pull yourself together, man. Has this kind of thing ever happened before? No, this is... I don't know what is happening. You, sir, haul open the window. Fresh air can't hurt. You, help me get him flat on the couch here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna... I'm, uh, Gary is gonna yell, Friends, assist me, lady, back to her cabin immediately. Affirmative, master. Piss under my breath to Vanda, uh, who I assume is more dexterous than me because I'm very much not dexterous. I'm just gonna say, get a ring. Okay, I'm gonna... Try and get the ring. Light of hand check, please. Oh, God. I mean, she is unconscious, so I could probably give it a bit of a, bit of a yank. Tok will, Tok will assist by uh, blocking, basically, uh, line of sight uh, over here. And will also, to whoever said, pick up, you know, assist the lady get back. He'll say uh, loudly, affirmative, master. Light of hand check, please. 20. So with Benny instructing the guards to deal with Felix and having called for Lady Sophia to be taken back to her room, Vanda, you are able to very carefully and you deftly remove the ring from her finger and pocket it. Augustus gets straight onto his feet and starts singing a song and wending his way down, saying that he urgently needs dinner and this drink is too strong and it's gone to our heads. Roll a d20. Nine. Yep, you're, you, the headache's there still, but you... You do exactly that. You begin marching down. Benny, you notice that Rothskill has moved up. Uh, can I have perception checks from everyone in that compartment, please? Uh, Tok got a 16. 11 for Benny. Uh, 20. Vanda, with the ring in your pocket, you turn around to see the tall, slender elf approach the unconscious Felix. You can You see his hands moving incredibly quickly as he pulls a knife out of Tom Beely's pocket. Um, slips it into his top and then begins to leave. Ah, he didn't go with the murder, just went with the stealing. Okay. Uh, I am also going to follow my liege lord and beckon to Franz Hammer to uh, continue to take Lady Sophia back to her cabin. I was, okay. Talk will, Franz Hammer will, will, uh, will assist her, but at this point, I want to point out. Do, <laughs> I think do it's we... weird if we leave her there. If that's what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I was going to say, do we? We want her bodyguards to take her back to the room, basically, don't we? We're we're basically through with this, are we? Or do we? Yeah. At this point, Actually, we, yeah, we've, point. we've got yeah, the yeah. ring. We need to do Operation Loot the Train, basically. Now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> so there might I be think some we good. Need to do Operation Get Out of Here. Yeah. Well, I think I think yes. Loot, okay. Loot, we're, we're we're sensible, but. Um, 
Oh, we, so, we don't need to tangle with the bodyguards anymore, do we? So with Felix dead on the floor and Lady Sophia unconscious... I'm still working on him. Oh, Benny continues to work on him. Has the fresh air not su- helped him survive the poison? You have completed your mission, but you are still on the train, and we will leave it there for the evening. It's incredible that you're you're almost able to generate the talk voice with no actual effects. I don't know how the hell you do that. It, there's, a, there's a few characters in in various films that I'm basing it on, but a large part of it is the um, the little station announcement thing at the train station. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. because it's the disjointedness. So he doesn't he's saying words, but they're not like flowing in a sentence. Yeah, well, getting closer and closer. I find this outro. Acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.